Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So, so far in the Beatitudes, we've gone through four. Four of those. We have four left. So far, it's been rather passive. Each one, as you look at it, blessed are the poor in spirit. It's more like an attitude, more like a posture. It's understanding that we can really do nothing on our own, that it all, all of our goodness, our, our blessings come from God. So blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who are meek or humble, and blessed are those who hunger and thirst. It's a feeling and attitude. But today it gets more active. So blessed are the merciful. Unfortunately, way too often as Christians and the whole world kind of operates this way, on, on more of a quid pro quo. So if I'm good to you, you've got to be good to me. If I'm merciful to you, then you will be merciful to me. What goes around comes around. So if I lend my hedge trimmer or my weed whacker to my neighbor when his breaks, then when my lawnmower doesn't work next week, then he should most certainly let me use his, right? That's the way that it ought to work. One good deed should lead to another. But there's an old adage, you've probably heard this, no good deed goes unpunished. Have you ever heard that? Where the heck have you people been? Never heard that? It happens to me all the time. You do something good for somebody, and it doesn't come around good at all. For example, just yesterday, Sharon and I, we were on our way to a graduation party. So we're pulling out on Oak Street, if you know where we live. Uh, don't go stalking us, but by the way, we're over there on Oak, and we're coming to 176, and we're right to the stoplight. It is red, and just before we get there, there's a young lady driving a car, and her wheel cover pops off. And there it is, just rolling down the street. So I'm a good person, right? I'm a pastor, for Pete's sake. I've got to do something. So Sharon stops the car. She says, you go run out and tell the young lady. And I'm like... What? Now, I should have listened, but I didn't. No, I did. I mean, I listened to part of it, just not all of it. So I, I got out. I was on, she was driving. I'm on the other side. I run around, and, you know, of course, here's a 60-year-old man running up there to this, this uh, young teenager, and she's like, what? And, I, and I'm like, your, your wheel cover, it fell off. She goes, oh, I heard something pop. That must have been what it was. And I said, don't worry, I'll go get it. Yeah, you already know this is not going to be good. I said, I'll go get it. So I, I'm, I'm running down the street, and it was a whole lot further than what I thought. I thought it was like, you know, 30 feet. It was more like 300. So I'm, run, I'm winded by then. And, and so I picked this thing up, and, of course, the cars are coming, and, and they're looking at me kind of like, what's he doing? And I run back, and I, she, she's now on the other side of the car, and I, and I give it to her. She says, thanks. And I think that's the end of it. You know, good deed, good job, amen. But... Then, out of the corner of my eye, I see this Ford, this white Ford Escape. And it is turning around and going through, if you know, there's a, there's a little store there, into the parking lot. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, what are you doing? Because we drive a white Ford Escape. And so it goes through the parking lot, and it goes back out to 176, and it turns the other way. And I'm like, Sharon, where are you going? I'm here. You're leaving me, stranded. Did you know that there are 12,000 white Ford escapes <laughs> in Crystal Lake alone? I'm running after it. I'm like, 
Oh, she's still there. <laughs> Go back over there. Of course, you know, car, line of cars now. So I finally get in the car, and I'm like, okay, well, that was an ordeal. Just thought it would be a little thing here. And then I look down at my pants. Oops. <laughs> Did you know that wheel covers have, like, lots of dust and grease and oil? Yeah. And so I had kind of done a little of this, you know, after. Oops. Well, nobody really noticed too much. When we went to the graduation party, uh, in fact, nobody even asked, which was amazing. But doesn't it prove when we're kind and merciful and good, we don't always get paid back the same way. And that's the first thing that I want you to understand this morning. Mercy is not given to us so that we might receive a reward in turn. But rather, God is merciful to us, and he has forgiven us all of our sins. He sent his son Jesus to this earth to die on the cross so that we would be forgiven. And we then aren't looking for a payback. But rather, we are merciful simply because God is. Jesus is the perfect picture of mercy. And we are to emulate what he does. Now, go to point B there. Raise your hand if you agree with me. Acts of mercy are not always received with gratitude. Is that the truth? Moms, <laughs> uh, need I go any further? All the things you do for your kids and your husbands and for other people, it isn't always appreciated. So, if we look... And we'll just pick out one example here. How about Jesus? <laughs> this world, the merciful are not always treated well. Some of you are familiar with the, uh, with the fable, Androcles and the Lion. Have you ever heard of that, Androcles and the Lion, or something like it? George Bernard Shaw, I think he got this from one of Aesop's fables, so there's a, a man named Androcles. He's a Roman slave. He's not treated well by his master. So he runs away. I probably would too. Goes and hides in a cave. So he's hiding in a cave and he hears the roar of a lion. And he goes, oh no. Here's a lion. I'm in big trouble. He's going to come and he's going to eat me. But instead, the lion is only roaring because he has a, a thorn in his paw. And he's in pain. And so Androcles goes up to the lion and expertly removes the thorn. Well, you go fast forward to the next scene. Now, Androcles, he's been caught. Punishment for a runaway slave is to be thrown in the circus to the wild beasts. While the crowd is, is watching, hoping for people to be killed, which is kind of gruesome, Androcles is there, and here is this lion, and of course, who is it? The very same one that was in the cave. So the lion goes up to Androcles, instead of mauling him, instead he licks him on the face, nuzzles up to him. The crowd goes, oh, that's so sweet. And the emperor is so impressed that he lets both the lion and Androcles go. And we think, that's the way it's supposed to work. <laughs> we do something nice, we get something nice in return. But we know, and you know this, if you've ever helped someone out. They're not always grateful. In fact, so often in, in our world, those who are kind to those who have less are often ridiculed. 
When you go out of your way to help a beggar or, or the homeless or to help someone, there's going to be someone else who's going to judge what you're doing. And if you don't believe that's true, just again, look at Jesus. The picture of mercy. Mercy personified. And yet, what happens to him? He heals people. He preaches the good news. He even raises the people from the dead. And yet, what does it get him? His own disciples betray him. They deny him. The political leaders, the religious leaders, make sure that he is going to be punished for all of his goodness. He's flogged by the Roman soldiers. And finally, of course, he's put to death on a cross. So this morning, to help us understand a little bit better about what the, the beatitude is all about, we've also taken a look at the parable. So we know the beatitude, blessed are those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. But there is so much more to it than that. God's judgment is not canceled out by his mercy. Now, the fact is, mercy is what God wants to give. That's what he wants to give all of us. So we take a look at this parable. You know the story. There is a king. He's the master. And he has a servant. The servant has an incredible debt. How many of you have $3 billion? Anybody? $3 billion? Well, you should be giving more to the church. I'm just saying. $3 billion. $3 billion. How does that happen? How can you owe anybody $3 billion when you're a servant? A king might have $3 billion, but a servant? And so the penalty is you go to jail and you stay there until the entire debt is going to be paid off. It would take thousands of lifetimes. He's never going to be able to do it, so he begs the king. And the king has mercy. He cancels the entire debt. It's a representation of God. Because our debt is so big, we could never pay it off. And yet God cancels it. So the servant goes out. He finds another guy, a fellow servant. Now he owes him $5,000, which is a tidy sum of money. But in comparison to $3 billion, virtually nothing. And yet what does the servant do? He chokes him. Pay me back. And he has him thrown in jail until he can pay it back. Of course, the word gets back to the king. He's outraged. And he punishes the man with proverbial hell. Mercy is what God always wants to give. And yet, sometimes that mercy is thwarted. Let's take a look at this in, in order. Go ahead and put up the next point there. First, the king forgives. He has mercy. And if that mercy has the desired effect, then two things are going to happen. The debt is forgiven and the debtor is transformed. He becomes a new person. That's what God wants out of his people. For us to be changed, to become more like Jesus. Whether it's in this life or the next. Now, does the servant have mercy? And the answer is, no. Do we always have mercy? The answer is, no. Do God's people always have mercy? No. Look through the Bible. There are lots of God's people that don't act appropriately, and neither do we. 
and then there is judgment. If the mercy doesn't have the desired effect, not only is the person not transformed, but that is not forgiven. Now, as we look at all of this, we need to understand again what mercy actually is. Mercy is not just feeling sorry for somebody. Oh, I'm so sorry your cat died. Well, not really, but anyways, I said, right? Don't we do that? It's, you know, a, a, a wave of emotion, a little pity for the person. That's not mercy. Mercy is getting down to the same level. Mercy is feeling the same pain as someone else. There was a great story, Queen Victoria. She had just lost her husband, Prince Albert. He had just died. She had a good friend. Her name was Mrs. Tullock, and her husband had died as well. So the queen and her entourage goes to see Mrs. Tullock, and they knock on the door, and they announce that the queen is there. Mrs. Tullock, she is grieving. She's weeping. She's lying on a couch. But she knows it's the queen. You've got to get up. You've got to pull yourself together, do the appropriate curtsy in greeting. But the queen says, no, 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 no. Stay where you're at. I am not here as the monarch. I'm here as a fellow widow who has lost her husband. That's what our God has done. He doesn't lord it over us, constantly reminding us, I've forgiven you of the three billion. But rather, he comes to us in our pain. Jesus came to the earth in the flesh. And he walked with his disciples. And he was there with them in their suffering. He went to see the sick and he ministered to the dying. And on top of all of that, he also feels pain of our sin and all its consequences. Mercy. It's not just feeling sorry for a moment but sharing with them. Calling your neighbor when you know that they're struggling. It's going over to their house and bringing that bag of groceries. It's watching their kids when they have to go to work. It's bringing over the hedge trimmer and the weed whacker before they even ask. and cutting down the brush and mowing that untidy lawn because you can't. One last thing that I want to point out this morning, and it probably seems obvious but isn't necessarily. The last point, mercy is shown friends as well as enemies. Now, does anybody think it should be the other way around? Mercy is shown to enemies as well as to friends. I don't know about you, but uh, I've been hurt by people that don't like me, and it doesn't hurt nearly as much as when I get hurt by people that I love. I mean, it's one thing if someone disagrees with you, they have a different point of view, 
something has happened, there's an altercation, whatever it might be, they have some kind of a grudge against you, you almost expect it, right? And yet we forgive them because that's what Christ has done for us. But when it's a person you love, a person in your family, a best friend, close neighbor, a lot harder, isn't it? A lot more painful. This is what we read earlier. This is what Paul wrote. He said, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances. Doesn't matter what they might be. Whatever grievances you may have against one another, why forgive as the Lord forgave you? Isn't that what we're going to pray in just a few minutes in the Lord's Prayer? Forgive us our trespasses as we have forgiven those who trespass against us. We forgive because God has forgiven us. We're merciful to others because God has been merciful to us. And we understand that mercy is a costly gift. It costs us. It's not easily given. It's not just something you go to the store and you get that, you know, quick Mother's Day card. Here you go. Thank you very much. But there's some thought put into it. There's some effort put into it. But the fact is, it is not always well received. People don't always get it. And they certainly don't always reciprocate in kind. Like the old mountaineer who had stolen a horse. Would you agree with me that that is wrong, anybody? Wrong to steal a horse. So he stole a horse, but he got a lawyer. Got a lawyer, a really good lawyer, and the lawyer got him off. He was acquitted. So the mountaineer says, does that mean I get to keep the horse? People don't always get it. A lot of you didn't get that. <laughs> Here's the deal. We aren't merciful because people are going to be merciful to us. We aren't kind to others, so they will be kind to us. We don't love others, so they will love us. We know in this world, this fallen, sinful, broken world, it's not always going to happen that way. But we are still merciful and kind and good and loving because that is how God has treated us. We are that servant who owed the $3 billion, and we can never repay it. We deserve not the proverbial hell, but the real one. And that's where we should spend eternity. And God in his grace, in his mercy, has canceled all the debt. And furthermore, because he is a God of judgment as well as a God of mercy, he has punished our sin on that cross. Jesus came into the world not only to suffer for us, but to suffer with us. And he continues to go with us in our pain now. And so we are blessed. We are forgiven. God has shown mercy. And we then are to be transformed and to show mercy to others. And the good news is, we aren't going to get it right, and yet God still forgives us over and over and over. He forgives not just seven times, not just 77 times, not just 70 times seven. He doesn't say on the 491st time, okay, you're done. But the mercy and the forgiveness is forever and without limit. 
And so, my friends, you won't always receive mercy from others, friends or enemies, now. But you will receive God's mercy now and forever. And that's why we show mercy to others. Let's all rise. Let's make our profession of faith.